Hey folks, this is Rob and thank you for allowing me to join you probably in your living room. I've been thinking a lot about uh, change recently. Uh, there's just been a lot of change that's happening and we've been living in a season or a decade or a couple of decades where there's been a lot of change. Some of it has been really uh, exciting and promising and others, other changes have been, well, actually pretty devastating. And my thinking is, how do we respond to change? Uh, how are we responding today with change? I mean, just think of the changes that have taken place since the year 2000. Uh, Google had just been invented. I mean, we kind of think that Google's been around forever. And Mark Zuckerberg wasn't even old enough to drive. And yet, for many of us, that seems like just the other day. And then if you wanted to connect to the inter internet, you used a thing called a modem. Uh, today, if we don't have Wi-Fi, I mean, it's like, it's a crisis. Uh, and, uh, you know, used to be a big selling feature at a hotel, let's say, free Wi-Fi. And now we have unlimited data on our phones and uh, access to information and email and Facebook constantly. I mean, it's just an incredible technological improvement. Now, the downside might be that you can no longer go away on vacation. There is no going away. There's always access and the need for access to internet. But how about indoor smoking? I mean, there's a concept we've forgotten about, but, you know, in the year 2000, that was just disappearing. And uh, in some of my travels to Spain, I mean, it only disappeared much later. So I'm certainly grateful for that. And the evolution of change in, in music has been kind of crazy. Remember that great app called Napstar, where you used to download stuff for free before we could get pretty quality stuff now on Spotify and just queue it up for really not a lot of money and listen to the songs we want to listen to. Uh, there's just been a lot of uh, change. Uh, you know, from a devastating standpoint, 9-11. 9-11 uh, in 2001 was just obviously a game changer. And it's changed the way we fly. I mean, there used to be a time when you didn't go through security at the airport. You just went to your gate and got on the plane. Uh, and now, of course, it's, you know, a whole new day flying. I mean, for some of you, uh, you know, you can't even take your water with you when you go flying. That's just kind of a standard joke because I'm always criticized for not drinking a lot of water. But I always think that everybody else carries a lot of water around unnecessarily. But anyway, for some people, that's really like, okay, I, I, what am I going to do with my water? Uh, and I'm like, yeah, we're flying over so the Sahara Desert. We're not walking through it. We don't really need... Forget it. What about the iPhone? I mean, that was only invented in 2007. And before that, you used to take photographs with a camera. <laughs> now, man... My iPhone has a pretty awesome camera, and it's an old iPhone. Uh, it's just uh, amazing uh, what, we, what we can do uh, with new technological advances. 
And then way back in 2000, there was a little-known, uh, unheard-of quarterback that was drafted 199th into the NFL, Tom Brady. Yeah, so, you know, things have happened and things have changed. And not to mention, currently, what's happening on the cloud. All this to say, that change can be, like, really great. If you're in the right place at the right time, it can be really great. Or you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it can be really bad. Uh, but what, what can we do to deal with change that is within our control. And I think that's what I want to look at today. Because change can be unkind for those that are unprepared. It really can be. So sometimes with change, you're just lucky. Sometimes you're just unlucky. But how can we be prepared? Let's think about that for a moment. If you live in a hurricane season or area when it's hurricane season, it's kind of good to have a plan. Like, what do you do if a hurricane hits your house? Do you have a safe place to go? And having a plan is hugely helpful. Now, you can be lucky, and it just never hits you, and you can be very unlucky, where you can have the best plans in the world, and it's still, you know, devastating. But let's look at some of the things that we can do. But before we get there, we live in the suburbs. And as this... Uh, COVID-19, which has changed everybody's lives, and we're in the season where it's still changing our lives, and we're still trying to figure out what is this change going to look like short-term, long-term, medium-term, just when we think we're getting over it, and it seems like it's you know rebounding. But think of that, this sort of lucky fact. We live in the suburbs. We didn't necessarily plan that. We didn't, nobody saw COVID-19 coming, but we are hugely... Uh, fortunate to have really a house that has more space than if you're living uh, downtown. And uh, I, I've been thinking about that. I, I've really enjoyed my porch. I've really enjoyed my house. Uh, I've really enjoyed working from home. But what is going to happen to New York City? I mean, I, I'm really interested to see how this change is going to impact New York City going forward. Are people still going to be willing to pay pretty exorbitant prices to live downtown New York? And are companies going to keep wanting people to work in high-rise buildings? Uh, it's just, you know, this is a change which is uh, impacting us. And uh, I think with change, uh, change always is personal. It's like, how is change impacting you and me? And every business leader is doing a similar thing. Every leader is, is asking the question, how is this change going to impact me? What do I need to be careful of? And what do I think might be good opportunities as a result of this change? And as a result, if you're a leader of any sort, but particularly if you're leading a business or uh, you know, a major division, uh, these are tiring times. They're tiring because we don't know the future and you're trying to make your best plans for the future. And as a result, it's anxiety producing. Uh, it, it, it's just difficult when things are in flux and you don't have uh, real control over everything that's happening. 
One quote that I heard a leader make, and I really identified with it, is this. Every leader I know, including myself, is under more stress than we've ever been at this point in leadership. So again, it depends where you're at. For some of you, it's life as usual. For others, you identifying with what I'm saying. But again, how are you? Are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling emotionally up and down? Uh, what is happening? And as people of faith, as followers of Jesus, my question is, how do we best deal with change? What is the wisdom that we can look at and get from the Bible and get from others that are wise and help us in this particular time? So let me just uh, pray and I want to do a kind of a deep dive into the Proverbs. I'm just going to stay in the Proverbs and uh, look at that as how it applies to us today. What can we glean from that? How can that help us? So Jesus, I just pray that you'd speak through me. Uh, Lord, I just pray that whatever wisdom we can glean from your word that applies to our lives and our situations and our thinking, Lord, I just pray by your Holy Spirit that you just breathe on each person listening to this message. And also, Lord, if there's stuff which I'm saying which is just totally irrelevant and it doesn't impact that person personally, let it just slide off. So, Lord, I just pray, put life into my words in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to start off by reading out of Proverbs chapter 6. And I want to read from five, verse 5 through, uh, through 8. And it says this. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. And then I love this one. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra streaks, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. You know, what I find so helpful about this, these proverbs is the first part, save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter. There's something that the Bible is telling us that if we can prevent ourselves from being ensnared or trapped, we need to be like acutely aware of that and we need to do everything to flee and to escape. Uh, or the analogy of an ant. It's saying it is good wisdom to make, you know, preparations for times when there's going to be scarcity. Uh, we can't always be just living on the edge. There's wisdom to, to planning and saving. And uh, if I look at how this is impacting us currently, there has been an incredible uh, run for cash. I mean, the need to stash cash, to say it differently, uh, or cash is king. We saw this at the beginning of the, the crisis. As soon as COVID-19 hit, there was the, the real need to have resources, cash, 
to be able to sustain uh, things in the future. There was a sense of if you've got cash, you've got options. And if you don't have cash, your future is being dictated to you. And of course, we like to be in control. We don't like to have no options. And so I think there's been this incredible movement. It started off uh, with companies that didn't have cash. If we just look at the business world and try and glean some wisdom from you know, some really good leaders. But the companies that didn't have cash have now filed for bankruptcy. Neiman Marcus, Hertz, uh, you know, J. Crew. I mean, these are big companies that have, you know, they've got other issues, but they ran out of cash and they were un unable to get cash. And so they've had to file for bankruptcy. And here we are in, you know, end of June. And what are all the big companies doing? You know, like McDonald's, uh, Intel, they are grabbing cash. They stacking up on cash and they were already like through the worst hopefully of this crisis and so uh why am i saying all this well there's a christian businessman his name is joel manby and he was the former ceo of uh of SeaWorld. he was an executive at amazon and at saab and he's taken his companies when he's when he was the president uh, through some major crises and so you know in learning from him it's like Okay, so what would you advise? What are companies doing now? And he's a business consultant now. And he's like, what are you advising people to do? And I'm talking about businesses because I think there's a principle that smart people in the business world are, are doing that we should be doing on an individual level. And so what Joel Manby is saying, he said, look, before COVID-19 hit, the sort of the prudent thing was for companies to have three months cash on hand and on an individual basis uh, that's been uh, you know what we've always sort of said have three months worth of cash on hand as an emergency fund uh, but what Joel is saying now is look three months forget it you need a year and now we look at okay so what is corporate America doing and corporate America is stacking up on cash uh, so for instance the choice hotels group they now have three years, three years worth of cash on hand. And other companies are like banks are selling assets so that they can have cash. And sort of more uh, confusingly for an individual is many corporations are going into debt so that they can have cash. So, you know, on an individual level, I'd say if you can get out of debt, you'll be doing great. But cash, people realize that cash gives you up, gives them options. Uh, Apple com computers always had a lot of cash on hand and they were criticized. Why don't you invest it? But it's coming pretty handy to have a lot of cash in times of trouble because now they've got options. Uh, so having cash is, is king. Now, we live right here in Hopkinton and many of you work for uh, Dell, EMC, and as you all are aware this week, uh, Dell is looking at potentially selling VMware. And I'm sure some of you are working for VMware. And why? Well, part of the reason is when Dell bought EMC, they went into 68 billion worth of debt. And now they've got 48 still on the books. 
And they're saying, look, we really need to get rid of the debt because we need one of the things, we need cash, or we need to be more productive. And so they're toying with the idea of breaking the company up and selling it. All I'm trying to say in all of this is in a time of crisis, having cash is king. It's, it's the prudent thing. It's like the ant working all during the summer. We want to make sure as individuals, I'm trying to encourage you as individuals to, to have cash. Look at what Proverbs 13.20 says. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And that's why I'm taking the time to talk about business leaders, business leaders that are doing well and have done well and are giving good advice and companies that are making good moves. The point is, can we do the same? The bottom line is trying to have sufficient cash to get you through a crisis, to get you through this crisis, and of course, uh, looking towards the future. So personally, in the past, we'd say you should have three months' worth of cash on hand. The current thinking is, as an individual family, you should probably have enough cash on hand for at least seven months or a year. And as a church, uh, that's the principle we've uh, followed. Uh, when COVID hit, we had to, we fortunately had, you know, um, taken measures in the past to, to do this, and we were able to use our cash, and we saw our giving dip dramatically. And from an anxiety standpoint, from a standpoint of getting through a crisis, it's helpful if you've got cash. And then, thankfully, you folks have been super generous. You started giving, and, and uh, we got out of the, the huge you know, cash shortage that we had. But going forward, here's the challenge for us as a church and for you as an individual. It's like we've got a lot of competing things for cash. At church, we want to invest in people. We want to expand the gospel. We want to do capital improvements. But we also want to have cash. And we discussed as a financial team, how do we get an increased amount of cash on hand as a, uh, as a principle? Let's work towards that and make that as a, as a priority going forward. And on an individual level, I'm highly encouraging you to do the same. Uh, Part of the reason that we get out of, um, out of debt is so that we can have cash. And the big idea with debt, uh, almost everywhere in the Bible, debt is a problem. But let me just give you one uh, proverb, seventeen eighteen. It's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or to put up security for a friend. And then Proverb twenty two twenty seven, If you can't pay it, and I'll just add this, don't charge it. Because if you don't have the money, don't put it on your credit card. Don't go into debt. But the actual proverb reads this way. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. Because they don't have credit cards. They just come and take your stuff. And that is anxiety producing. So if you don't want to live a life of financial uh, anxiety, don't get into debt and do uh, have some form of cash reserve. Now, for many of you, you're sophisticated uh, financially and uh, doing really well, but sometimes people just need, like, what are you talking about, Rob? What, give me a number. Well, I, I don't know. You, you know, you need to figure out your own uh, place, but I would say you need at least $20,000 in cash in your bank as an emergency fund. 
And I know, I get it, whenever you do a hard number like that, there's a bunch of you out there saying, 20,000, that's not nearly enough. And I equally get there's a bunch of you saying, that's just a dream. I could Im never imagine being able to do that. Well, I disagree. I think if you realize that that's where you need to get to, you'll take the steps to get there. And so I just want to uh, finish here and suggest, like, how would you do that? Well, here's another proverb. And this proverb is giving us three great things to look at. It says in this proverb how to get wealthy, how to be refreshed, and how to be a person that's blessed. Now, in a biblical way, that's a great place to be. So listen to Proverbs. This is Proverbs 11, 24 through 28. Give freely and become more wealthy. Now that is so counterintuitive. Be stingy and lose everything. You know, we are people of faith. We need to take the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of business leaders, but we also, or more importantly, need to work on God's principles and thinking. And this should be pivotal in our minds. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells it in time of need. Now again, you know, as a church, when I asked, look, could we help out those that are in need? Paco's church, you guys just stepped up. And I think there's a blessing for us in being able to do that. But it's more than that. I think there's a sense where God wants us to be in a position uh, where we can bless others. And not only where we can bless others, but we want to bless others. It's even more than that. It's like we are looking for an opportunity to help and bless others. And there's a bunch of you in this church which do just that. Anyway, let me just read the rest of this. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells it in the time of need. If you search for good, you will find favor. If you search for evil, it will find you. Trust in, the, in your money and down you go. But the godly will flourish like leaves in the spring. Friends, as followers of Jesus, Jesus wants us to be put our thoughts and our attitudes on him. He wants us to be his disciples. He wants us to be following him. He wants just us to bless. He wants to bless us. And there's nothing in our lives that's off limits, including our finances. And so if we say, Lord, my finances are yours. And of course, it's easy to say, God, bless me with, uh, with you know, good things and wealth. But are we willing to say, Lord, I'll, you know, I want to follow you. And that's my primary uh, motive. And what do you want me to do? How do you want me to bless others? What is it that you're looking for? And many of you have done just that. But I just want to end here and uh, say, why don't you ask the Lord, how do you want to be prepared going forward? Think of this. The Spanish flu 100 years ago, it was the second year that killed the most number of people. So what I'm saying is, we need to get through this crisis. But if there's a second year rebound, which hopefully there won't be, that's worse than this year, 
there's not going to be the government money to hand out and get us through. We're going to need to be in a place where we have financial emergency funds of our own. And so with a sense of urgency, I'm asking you to put your trust in the Lord, put your finances in the Lord, and allow the Lord to bless you. It might be that God does something instantaneous and miraculous. It might just be that you take one step in the right direction at a time, slow and steady. But either way, if we give it to Jesus and we put our trust in Him, we can let our anxieties be on His shoulders and we can expect that God would lead us, provide for us, and bless us. Bless you.